women want a couple things the same as men. And that is, we want to feel safe. You know, women want to feel safe with the guy they're with, not just from a physical perspective, but from an emotional perspective. And one of the reasons why women may seem, if I'm, I'm going to address women here, but I'm going to kind of loop it into both genders, why they might seem kind of chaotic in the dating realm is because most people date like this. They're myopic. They're only focused on their own needs, wants, and desires, and they're not recognizing that there's another human being that you're interacting with across the table on a date. And so both men and women are acting quite selfishly in the dating process. And why I said safe is how can you feel safe with someone if it's all about their needs and not a two-way street? Life is gonna give you challenges, struggles. It's gonna force you to face your fears. Even though these may feel like your worst enemy, in truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. Classes in session, about to learn a lesson in the game. We embrace the pain, take it and we make some change. Without scarcity, I don't know where I'll be. It's how we learn and now it's your turn. Let's get it. Welcome to the University of Adversity. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Hope you guys are doing great today. Thank you so much for coming and hanging out. My next guest is known as America's leading midlife dating and relationship coach, Jonathan Astley. He's a defender and protector of women's hearts around the world. He helps women transform from attracting Mr. Wrong into finding their Mr. Right. Get ready, ladies. You're going to love this one. Jonathan is a successful entrepreneur, coach, speaker, and author of Amazon number one new release, What the Heck is Self-Love Anyway? Jonathan is like a guy spy to the male mind <laughs> who truly understands the way a single or divorced man thinks and acts. He's a master at helping women recognize and distinguish the difference between men who are emotionally unavailable and for those who are truly ready for love. This was a great conversation. I had so much fun. We, we talked about a lot of things in this um, relationships. We also got deep around both of the things that have happened in our lives. And I won't give it away in the intro, but you guys are going to love this. He's got great energy and he, some good tips. We talk about the dating world, online dating, all that stuff, where I'm at. So make sure you listen to this right till the end and let us know what you think about it. Leave us a review or tag us in a story on Instagram, all that good stuff. I love seeing that. And make sure to subscribe, guys, wherever you listen to this, whether it's on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to, stay on top of it, stay on top of the episodes, and you won't miss any. So sit back, relax. John Astley coming right up. Jonathan, how are you, my friend? Thanks for joining I'm us doing today. Good. I'm doing good, thank you. How about yeah. yourself, man? Yeah, really good, man. Really good. You got great energy, dude. I just got to tell you, man. You just, I love the energy. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks a lot. It's, uh, I just, I get, I get pumped up for conversations, you know? I got my tea here. I, I, I love, you know, diving into all kinds of I stuff. I got mine. Yeah, nice. <laughs> a cocktail. No. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy though, right? Like the, the energy levels, it's like you have to really be deliberate with making sure that you get to that level of energized, you know? It's like, yeah. it's, it's tough because especially, I mean, you do coaching as well and we'll get into it, but like you want to be at that level of peak state as much as you can. And it, it's sometimes a bit of a, it's, it's tough when you're always talking to people too, to yeah. kind of stay at that nice, even level. So, yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting with what's happening in our world right now, there's certainly an energetic kind of melancholy going on right now. And I don't care how many commercials they have about how great the country is and people are singing on balconies. Um, there's a lot of fear going on. And there's, a, and there's a, you know, this feeling of, with so many people, you know, we feel trapped at home. There's an energetic kind of lull. And what's interesting is for a few days, I kind of allowed myself to go down that cycle of lull and I thought, hey, dude, you're, you're like a leader in, you know, in, in pumping up emotional, you know, what's the word I'm thinking of? Not, not emotional connection, but just emotional sovereignty, if you will. So you yeah. kind of have to reach in deep. And that's what I did. I didn't want to let the melancholy take me down the rabbit hole. Yeah. 
Well, I think everybody kind of the first week or two, it was like, all right, what's happening? People yeah. got a little bit lazy. People were like, oh, cool. I get to stay home. But then it's like, wait a minute. You know, it, it was, and then everybody's, well, I don't know about everybody, but myself, it's kind of like, all right, this is where we're at now. We need to like, this may be long, this may take longer. So I can't sit in this weird energy. You know, I got to yeah. like kind of make the best of this and do what I can. And yeah, it's been really interesting. Like, how has everything been for you? I mean, what is it? It's been like a pretty much two months since all this started. Where are you at with everything? You're at home, obviously, but like, how has it been for you? So thank you for asking. So, you know, for my life, it didn't change too much. I already worked from home. <laughs> you know, I'm used to it. In fact, I, I live by myself. So um, there wasn't too many change other than I missed the things like going to the gym or I live by the ocean. So walking the beach because they blocked the beaches right now. In California? It's, yeah, in California. Okay. So it's those little things. But it, I didn't go through a dramatic, drastic shift. I mean, I know a number of people, their shift, I, I have clients who are school teachers and now they're having to work from home and doing Zoom. And I know so many people are now having to readjust their professional life. So for me, I'd already been organized in that way. Um, but I recognize for a lot of people, this has been a huge challenge. I think for the most part, I've just been saying positive. Like I'm not, I, I don't allow, I don't watch the news anymore. I'm not getting sucked into the negative narrative or, you know, whatever you want to call it, fake news or not. I'm just not allowing myself to get sucked in, which I think, you know, as anyone can see my t-shirt says self-love. The You know, loving on ourselves is also kind of, I want to say protecting ourselves from the negativity that can come in mm. and then shift it to positivity. In other words, shift the narrative and find the gratitude and everything. And that's what my friends and I are focused on. Every time we get on the phone, hey man, I'm just grateful you're in my life. You know, a lot of gratitude and appreciation. Yeah, and it's gonna be one of the things that a lot of people, it's gonna start, they're gonna start. If they weren't grateful before, they will be after the little things have been taken away from them. Yeah. You know, like what a great time to practice gratitude. You know, a lot of people, you know, it's kind of a buzzword for a while, but you know, you start to get your freedoms taken away that you take for granted. Yeah. You know, people are, people are going to start being okay with that word and, you know, really understanding that it's the simplest things in life that are actually bring us the most joy. And when those are taken away, you know, we're grateful when we get them back, you know, when we go be able to just yeah. have the freedom again, which is just crazy to think about. Yeah, you know, it's interesting is because this is kind of forced upon us from, say, the government, if you will, or society yeah. on what level, it, it certainly has a different emotional effect versus the shift that, I, if, you, if it's okay, I share with your audience when I went through a major crash in my life. After turning 40 and going through a divorce uh, about a decade and a half ago, my ex and I decided, or my then wife and I decided to separate. I lost my quarter million dollar a year job at wow. that time. And I got laid off from my quarter million dollar a year job, not related to the divorce, but just coincidentally. And then the market crash of 2008 and I got wiped out financially. And, and I had to move in. I mean, I'm sad to say I was in my mid 40s or I was in my 40s. I had to move in with my mom and dad. Mm -hmm. And I used to live in a $2 million home. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean, I, and my mom and dad lived in a retirement community and it was a thousand square foot home. So, I mean, <laughs> talk about such a shift in life. And so I had reached a point during this experience of going to bed wishing I didn't wake up. Yeah. And, and it was gratitude that began to slowly get me out of the emotional funk it's it's um and then finding my hope again because what happened is i'd lost hope and i think one of the reasons why you know what happens in depression in particular is because there's a lack of hope at least that's what it was for my experience so not only did i was able to lean into gratitude it also allowed me to see that there is hope mm. and i began rebuilding my life about a decade and a half ago yeah, a lot of people I've talked to lost everything during that. It's crazy. Yeah. 2008 was, you know, it's it's going to be a lot worse for some in this 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 situation. You know, you know, I haven't spoken to anybody yet on the show who's really 
absolutely got rocked during this and yeah. I'm, you know which is which is great i mean a lot of people i talk to have kind of have kind of uh yeah knock on wood about all that but a, lo- a lot of people that i've been talking to kind of learned their lesson from 2008 i feel like it's they've, yeah. they've really they've really pivoted already to the online space somewhat yeah. and they've kind of learned that lesson and man it's i guess now it's just about giving those people the tools now to whether they got to start over or kind of dig themselves out. And like you said, it's hope. You got to have hope. You got to know. But how do you create hope? How did you create well, that's hope for a, yourself? You just, <laughs> I'm so glad you asked that. Cause I was like, I, I missed something in what I shared a moment ago. So as I look back to what happened to me, you know, 10, 15 years ago, I was in despair, I was melancholy, I went to bed wishing I didn't wake up. Not that I wanted to kill myself, but that I just want the pain to stop. That's what I was feeling. And right about that time, the movie The Secret came out. And I remember watching it online, and I'm like, oh my God, this really resonates with me. So then there was another movie that came out, What the Bleep, and then they were talking, I was watching the authors in the movie, like Abraham Hicks and Wayne Dyer, um, I don't think Wayne Dyer was in that one, but um, but a number of other, you know, personal development, self Jack Canfield, he was on the yeah, show. Yeah, Jack Canfield, all those kinds. He was of on the show yeah. last week. Yes. Oh, he was on? Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. So, so, so it was that, that was the beginning of rebuilding who I was on the inside. So there was the tools, I believe, because it wasn't, like I said, I leaned into gratitude because God, thank God I had my mom and dad to help me out. And I had so many friends come and love and support me. I didn't get feeling abandoned. And I know for a lot of people, they're alone. That makes it even tougher. And then I said gratitude, finding my hope. And then ultimately, it was the personal development, self-help, and spiritual practice I began. I, got, I was listening to Abraham's Hicks CDs every day. I was reading a variety of different books. And I started to rewire myself, my, my emotional sovereignty, if you will, from the inside out. And I'm a full believer in a daily practice. And it can, only, it can be as easy as 15 minutes. Meditation is part of that. And it was that, exper- well, it was that experience and then what happened next that totally shifted me. And for those watching, this is a picture of my 19-year-old son who passed away in 2018. His name is Connor. I'm sorry. And thank you. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, as a parent, and I have two boys, picture of both my boys. As a parent, my greatest fear was something happening to my children. I mean, from the moment they were born, would they drown in the pool? Could they get kidnapped? Could they do something stupid and go to jail? Every fear was was looming over me. And in one day, I experienced all that fear. And what was interesting that happened next is really a a testament to this, what I'm talking about, doing a daily personal development, self-help, and spiritual practice, is when I was uh, at his funeral giving the eulogy, I stopped in that moment and I said, I'm going to make a conscious choice, everyone, and I'm going to grieve with love. I'm going to grieve with love because I know Connor wouldn't want me to suffer one moment in my life. So I wanted to lean into what does love mean? What does love really mean? I started to really do a deep dive into love. And two months after he passed, I began writing my second book. And I'd been blogging about self-love before this. And so I started to write this book. And nine months to the day after he passed, I published my second book. Here it is. What the heck is self-love anyway? And what I discovered in writing this book is I didn't go down the rabbit hole of of despair nearly close to the way I did when I lost my job, I lost my identity, I lost my money, because I'd been preparing myself. In other words, the self-help, spiritual, personal development work is like a vaccination Mm. to emotional chaos. Mm. And it prepared me. And I'm not saying I didn't hurt. And believe me, I, I was yeah, crying yeah. yesterday. I was, yeah. I was watching a movie, a child died, and I'm, all of a sudden I'm feeling my son. Yeah. But I'm able to handle it because I did so much work in advance. Yeah. I can completely resonate with you on that. Completely. It's a bit different. But, yeah. you know, I, 
So I lost the brother and my dad within the same 18 months. So, oh. so it's, yeah, I know it's just like, By the way, I lost my mom six months yeah, earlier too. It's crazy, man. But <laughs> so wow, you lost a brother. See, like, yeah, go ahead. I want to hear this. It's, um, but the reason I tell you that is because, so I had lost a brother, but I was like, then I went down a big toxic, you know, I drank and did partied and all that and went down a hole. But then the year my dad died was 2017. So, but I, so I quit drinking that year and really started to do the personal development. I, the, the book, The Magic, which is written by Rhonda Byrne, which is all about gratitude. That's where I learned yeah. gratitude. Yeah. And I started reading books about that. So I installed the habits. So yeah. when my dad passed away in 2017 in July, the person two years prior that would have dealt with that would have been a lot worse. But because yeah. I had the tools, and you're right, like you said, when you said that, like, I, I, I'll, I'll cry sometimes. I'll be like, fuck, I miss him, you know? Like, yeah. like this sucks. Like, it wasn't, it's not fair. But then there's times where, like, when, when, when I needed to stand up, when I needed to be strong and be and empowered, I, was, I had the tools, right? Yeah. Just like you're saying. And you, you know it sucks, but it's like, what are you going to do, right? And, and it's, it's like, I don't think we would have done, reacted the same without those tools foundation. I'm, I'm a huge proponent of that. And it's one of the reasons why, A, I wrote my book yeah. um, because it's the idea is to build our self-worth, self-esteem, self-confidence from the inside out. But after I finished the book, I recognized that it, I, the reason why I didn't go down the rabbit hole the way I did 10 or, you know, or 10 or 12 years earlier, because I had no foundation. If nothing else, personal development, self-help, spiritual work. And I say it that way because each person has a different take yeah. on what that means to them. So I, I lay out always all three. Um, is that it builds a foundation, an emotional foundation for one's life. And one of the fundamental principles that I write about in my book is everything happens for us and not to us. When I lost my quarter million dollar job and I lost my identity and my money and everything, I had no idea it was going to take me down the path where I'm at right now. And I was living, living a very egoic life before that. And now I'm following my passion as a dating and relationship coach for women, helping women understand men. I feel so much more calm than ever before. And look, at I get triggered. Like I, <laughs> I had a girl ghost me the other day. Uh, from a dating perspective, I'm like, oh, what's wrong with me? <laughs> yeah. but, but that lasted for about 10 minutes. And I'm like, oh, that's on her, not on me. Because I recognize <laughs> everything is happening for us and not to us. Yeah. it's And I, I like how you said that because, you know, I talk to a lot of people and everybody has their perception of self-help, personal development. Yeah. And I hear them all. I hear the opinions. Some think it's woo-woo. Some think it's this doesn't work or this does. I've heard it all. And yeah. I, I'm fine. I, I, I love everybody where they're at. And that's great. Yeah. But the personal development that you have, I personally believe if it go, it's going to work the amount that you believe in it. If you don't believe in it, you're, you're not, it's not going to work. Yeah. Like law of attraction, that kind of stuff, it takes work as well. It takes, it takes consistent, not only visualization, yeah. positive reaffirmations, but like it takes work too. And it's like, if you don't believe in something, well, then you're completely shutting it off. And yeah. no wonder it's, it's not just going to magically work for you. You know, it's like you, your degree of what it's going to do is going to be how much you actually put into it with your, even, you know, your energy that you flow into it. Right. Yeah. Well, one of the things I have a, I have a sign on my door when I walk out every night and it says, be open and receptive to love. Yeah, And why I chose the word love, it's really about being open and receptive to anything. But love in particular is the most powerful force on the universe. It, it is somewhat manipulated in some ways because a lot of people think, you know, if I give love, I could get it back, which has nothing to do with love. Love is just having an open, love is having an open heart to all possibilities. But you might find this interesting. So I've been on this journey for 10, 12 years, give or more give or take. And my best friend, who I love him dearly, he, would, he will admittedly call himself an agnostic. In other words, he doesn't believe in religion. And he kind of has thought that, you know, personal development, self-help is, or spiritual work is woo-woo. Yeah. But 
right after my son passed away, I gave him, cause he was, he was emotionally affected. I mean, I'm hugely affected. In fact, everyone in my community was hugely affected by the loss of Connor. So I gave him a book. I said, dude, just trust me. Will you read this self-help book? And he goes, okay. And the book is called The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. I got it on and my audio right now, man. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I had goosebumps when he said that. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's the book every one of my clients must listen to or read and whatnot. So I gave it to him. And this is a guy who reads a book a week, but it's mostly he reads like Game of Thrones and, you know, yeah. the variety of different uh, um, Jack Ryan, that sort of thing. Uh, and he, so he read it and he went out and bought five copies, two for his sons, two for his other, the, his coworkers. He said, oh my God, this totally resonates with me. And, and wow, in other words, I cracked him open because it wasn't, you know, a lot of times people see the words personal development, self-help and spiritual work as some woo-woo, but it's really all about self-reflection. Yeah. Introspection. Yeah. And he, and he, and I give him a book once every month and he goes, I'm grateful for it. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's just the, it's the delivery of the thing, how it comes. It's it, some people, yeah. they'll shut it off to who's giving the message. And a yeah. lot of it'll be based on if they like that person giving the message. Like if you don't mm. like Tony Robbins, you're not going to listen to Tony Robbins, what he has to say. If you don't yeah. like Abraham Hicks, like you're, you're, you're basing it on what you think of that person. And it's what people do as humans. And, yeah. but you hear it from an interesting perspective like, like that or the untethered soul. I'm halfway through it. It's unbelievable for opening your heart. I yeah. was listening to it. I was riding my bike. You know, we can still ride our bikes here in Vancouver, Canada, Okay, um, along the beach. And I had been told about that book and just the amount of them talking about how important keeping that open is. And, and I've been really trying to deal with traumas lately, like from my teenage years and realizing yeah. the correlation between traumas and having an open heart and how have not having that open stream can really block anything in your life, whether it's love, whether it's abundance, that trauma will just get in there and it gets, it really limits people at, for opening their heart. And that's the key. I'm going to grab a book here. So I'm going to lean over here. But if you haven't read the book called Getting the Love You Want by Harvell Hendricks, yeah. this will really help understanding our childhood wounds and our traumas that cause us to be who it causes us to choose the mates we choose as we got older. So okay. you nailed it, Lance. Recognizing that we all, to some degree, you know, have had some wounds or traumas that happened in our childhood. And some of them are, you know, have been inflicted by our parents in a very ugly way. Sometimes it's accidental without them ever meaning to hurt you, but it has a lasting effect. And so when we talk about personal development, self-help, and spiritual work, it's really about going backward and peeling the onion of what created our personalities or who we are today. And, you know, you're in Vancouver. By the way, I was in Vancouver a couple years ago, and I got to say, I love the people there because everyone's just so polite to one another. And, <laughs> and, and I say that because here in the United States, and I'm going to be graphic. People are sucking on the nipple of victimhood. You know, there's a habitual victim consciousness here. Yeah. And it, it, I, think, I truly believe that emotional state of being causes a lot of individual unrest for so many people. Mm. Totally. That victim mentality is just the complete opposite of opening your heart. Like it's yeah. like the close. It's, and, yeah, I guess it's the matter of like people being burned and just not being able to sit with that and deal with it. And I'm just noticing in my own life recently, it's just crazy how, how much when you sit with that discomfort, whether it's journaling, whether it's meditation, and you let it pass through, you heal yourself. It's not, it's, it's, it's hard work, yeah. but it's possible. You, you have to face it. And it's in, in so many times we just want to run away from that feeling because it really makes us uncomfortable, but you will be rewarded on the other side of that. You will yeah. feel better. Yeah. Something will come, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I was sharing earlier. I had an interaction with a woman from a dating app and, and I, for lack of a better word, I got rejected. 
ghosted. Oh. And it was interesting. Hey, we've all been there, man. We've all been yeah, there. Yeah, you know, and, and, I'm, and I'm, <laughs> I'm guilty of being, and I've done something similar. You know, it's not yeah, like I'm, exactly. I, I'm not culpable in some ways in my own life. But what was interesting was the, the emotional experience I felt for a couple hours was first I was like in shock and then I was like, um, then I was embarrassed and then I was ashamed and I was going through all these emotional feelings and I was taking it incredibly personally and I was fixated on it. Um, and then about an hour or so later, I started to let it go. And then the next morning, it was still a tinge still hanging on. And, you know, and I'm only sharing it now because I'm so over it. But the experience, it was like, I, I was really tight from this. Mm. In the past, that could have lasted days and days and days and days and days. Now it's getting to the point where I'm recovering so much faster from when I get triggered for that feeling of rejection, that feeling of uh, not being good enough, not being lovable, not being liked. And I recognize it was just her saying we're misaligned. That's yeah. all it was. Yeah. Has nothing to do with you. Yeah. Like it really doesn't. That's, that's, that's the interesting part of it yeah. is that we think it's us, but it's just, it's, it's, they have their own lens in their own life. And exactly. they see things like we can't assume that we know what they're looking at, you know, like it's, and it's, it's really interesting. So I, what I, I'm glad we, we segued into this because yeah. I wanted to ask, like you work with women. Here's the question for you. What do yeah. women want? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, for your male audience. Um, so what's interesting, there's this meme that shows the book of, it shows two books. One is the Understand Men book, and it's about, you know, like about a, like a paper pamphlet. Yeah. And then there's the Understand Woman book, and it's like eight feet thick, and a guy is opening the first page, which is such an unfair characteristic about women. Women want a couple things, the same as men. And that is, we want to feel safe. You know, women want to feel safe with the guy they're with, not just from a physical perspective, but from an emotional perspective. And one of the reasons why women may seem, if I'm, I'm going to address women here, but I'm going to kind of loop it into both genders, why they might seem kind of chaotic in the dating realm is because most people date like this. They're myopic. They're only focused on their own needs, wants, and desires, and they're not recognizing that there's another human being that you're interacting with across the table on a date. And so both men and women are acting quite selfishly in the dating process. And why I said safe is how can you feel safe with someone if it's all about their needs and not a two-way street? So women want to feel safe. That's number one. Mm. Both on a physical and emotional level. Number two, women want to feel special. You know, and, and men want to feel special too. We want to feel like we're unique. We want to feel like you're, men want to feel like a woman's hero and, and a woman wants to feel like she's special and sexy to a guy. And, you know, when those, and I'm just laying it down to those two things, you know, feeling safe and special. If a guy recognizes that, hey, I'm going to lean in by understanding, I know what I want, but I'm also going to be mindful of the, this other person they're going to have a greater chance of success in the dating realm. Mm. What an interesting arena, <laughs> especially now with these dating apps. Well, we certainly are in much of a swipe culture and a swipe mentality, which, you know, didn't exist 20 or 30 years ago. I mean, the online dating is about 15 plus years old. So we're in a whole new territory from interacting. And, and interestingly enough, the average humans relationship IQ, let me just say that relationship intelligence is incredibly weak or unskilled. Most humans, men or women alike, are incredibly unskilled when it comes to relationship IQ. That's one of the reasons why, look, I, I got my stack of books here. I recommend this book called Eight Dates by Dr. John Gottman. For anyone who wants to gain relationship IQ, this helps people understand the fundamentals of creating a healthy, happy relationship. Because we're all, men and women operate like this. If we have chemistry, it's all going to work out. And if that were true, 
then there wouldn't be bodies piled from here to the moon of people that have been <laughs> found out that chemistry is not the indication of relationship mm. success. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's such a, it's so interesting because especially on the dating apps, it's so like, I mean, obviously looks matter, obviously yeah. a little like, but these, this is the thing that I find so strange. It's like, you got your phone and these humans just become like disposable or something. It's like such a weird thing. You're just swiping, swiping, swiping. And it's not even about, it almost depends as well on the kind of mood you're in. Yeah. It's like, will you be more open-minded to the swipe right right now? Or am I like, no, no, I'm only just, I'm only picking this, this kind today or this, you know, this, it's so strange and I've done it. I've gone off the dating apps. I've gone on them. Some days I'm more open. Some days I'm not. It's like, it's really bizarre, but it's like, it's the world we're living in right now. So I have a, I do something with, first off, I can relate on so many different levels. If I'm feeling lonely, sometimes I go on the app and I swipe just to say, oh, they swipe me back. You know, I feel, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. like a dopamine rush. I feel good for a moment. And then I go and delete it um, just because, you know, there probably was a misalignment. What I began doing about a year and a half ago is anytime someone liked or swiped me, because sometimes with some apps, it's simply a like or whatever. My first words out of my mouth is I say, thank you energetically to that. Like I look at the phone and I say, thank you. I say, thank you for swiping at me or swiping at my profile. I feel like doing that sets a pre emotional precedence for me to be in a place of consciousness and gratitude. And whether or not, because a lot of times I see men and women alike, they get a swipe, someone likes them and like, what was that guy thinking swiping me? What was that guy thinking? He's such a loser. And like, I mean, I've heard this from women and I know men do the same thing. I'm like, that is the most least compassionate thing you can say about another human being yeah, wow. just based on their photograph you call them a loser and then then they're disgusted that they swipe them as if something so this is the <laughs> consciousness of people and i really fucking sometimes pisses me off i want to yeah. ring people on their neck and say yeah. hey look how about go be grateful someone swiped at you yeah and it doesn't mean you have to do anything about it just being gratitude for just a second yeah. and and that's how I shift the energy. I always say, I love you or thank you. I actually say the words, I love you, because I'm just sending love to another person. And I, because I'm effectively, I'm rejecting them or I'm saying we're not a fit, but at least I'm sending it with love versus that attitude is, you're not good enough for me. Because yeah, that's yeah. bullshit. Yeah. I get kind of riled up on that one, Lance. Yeah, that's good. I, I like it, man. If you got to swear, swear. I encourage it. You know, um, it's one of those things with dating apps. Um, yeah, it's it's such an interesting thing because here's where my thoughts are as well. Okay, is that energetically, do I want to go into this app thinking? I'm going to find the person that I really want to be with in this app or do I want to let the world unfold, do what I love to do, do it and attract them in the, in the real world. Or do I need yeah. to like, because I think a lot of people think of it, especially, you know, my old lifestyle of bartending and athletes and all that. It was, I was always yeah. like, go after the girl, you know, they come after me. That was my identity. I talk about all the time. Very, you know, that was my role was getting, getting the female to like me. And that was my validation. Yeah. And that comes back sometimes in the dating apps. It's like an approval thing. If they don't, I'm like, what the fuck, why didn't you like, why didn't she, you know, but then at the same time as well, do what is my objective? Do I really want this person anyways? Or is this just a time waster? Like, am I really serious about attracting somebody that I want into my life from an app? Right. And then it's like, I think a lot of people dance with that. Do I want to meet them naturally or somewhere else? Or is this natural? Is this the... Well, I have a response for this yeah. one. Yeah. Is this, the, is this the natural environment that we're in today? Yeah. So I did a blog once where I said online dating is the new organic. Okay. And what I mean is, let's get real. So yes, wouldn't it be great that we lived in a villa? Like it used to be, we lived in a, a we had a tribe and we, whoever we mated with was from the tribe. And then it was a village and then it was a town and then it was your workplace. 
And up until about the, around the 60s, people started to meet at work. And then, then it shifted to the bar scene in the 70s. And, and then 1980s technology was built in. So the reality is, is I look at every spoke in the wheel. Meeting people at a meetup group is one spoke in the wheel. Going out to social events is another spoke in the wheel. Online dating sites are another spoke in the wheel. Online dating apps, dating apps are another spoke in the wheel. So my perception is this. The hardest thing is right now is to be seen, seen by another single eligible person. Mm -hmm. And the older you are, the harder it is to be seen. Right. Okay. Look at, we're all working from, like we're all stuck at home right now. So nobody sees you. Yeah. So online dating is a portal for someone to see you. That's right. it. There's more to the dating. That's why relationship IQ is why 90% of relationships fail because people have terrible communication skills and terrible relationship skills. That's why relationships fail. But from a dating perspective, just simply go, you know what, this is a spoke in the wheel. And yes, well, like, could I attract someone through the law of attraction? Absolutely. But the law of attraction could mean that you connected through a dating app as well. Yeah. Now, if you don't have the temperament for it and you have a negative bias towards dating apps, highly recommend don't be on them mm -hmm. because nothing triggers a moat. Okay, let me backtrack. The number one emotional health issue is absolutely triggered through the dating process. The dating and relationship process triggers the number one emotional health issue. And I know everyone's dying to hear it, so let me tell you what it is. The number one emotional health issue is, I'm not good enough, I'm not lovable, I'm not likable. Most everybody at their core has this wound. And dating will trigger this. Dating apps will trigger this. So you gotta have a little bit of thick skin if you're gonna do this. Mm. And hence why shoring up your self-love is because you're going to be prepared for the negativity that comes with the process. And when I say negativity, I mean the downsides of it, not the, you know, there's downsides to it. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I love it. And I've heard, I've heard the same thing. And I, I, I think it's great. I love the idea that we're, if we can all buy in and just get comfortable with that, this is the reality. That's great. Then we just, I mean, we're all on social media anyways. What difference does it make? We're on Instagram, Facebook. It's like, we're all out there anyways. What's the difference if we're on an app? It's like, it's just easier to accept now. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, but, look at, but look at some of the, okay, but look at the vast majority of people on apps. I mean, here's what pisses me off. It, their profiles look like crap. Guys and yeah. girls alike. I mean, literally sunglass photographs, blurry photographs, photographs where it's like this. Like literally I've seen pictures <laughs> yeah. where it looks like this. If I, if I pulled up my, my phone right now, I can show you some of the grotesque photographs people choose. And then they wonder why they're having bad results. Well, garbage in, garbage out. Totally. You know, so my invitation for everyone who has an issue with dating apps is first off, let me look at your profile because I can bet you, I can... I'll put a hundred bucks right now that 97 out of a hundred profiles I look, look at are a piece of shit. Yeah. I and agree. so garbage in, garbage out. I, I love it. So, okay. I want to get to this main question here too. By is, the way, I got to take that hundred dollars off the table. I'm making a buck. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I don't feel good of night, but I mean, if yeah, I get, a I rush know I, we, I think, yeah. Okay. So let's talk about emotional availability. Yeah. So what are we doing wrong? as, as men for women, like how are we, how do you distinguish between emotional available and emotional unavailable? Like where, where are the, because there's a lot of women listeners on here Yeah. and which is, it's, it's for me, it's interesting because as, as I started, I thought it was going to be all guys, but there's actually a lot of women, which is amazing. And I love that. So they're definitely wanting to hear this, you know, like where, where are we fucking up? Like, what am I doing wrong? What's everybody doing? Like, what's, how do we know? How do they tell like who's available, who's not? So I, I appreciate this question and I believe everybody is capable of sharing their emotions. Uh, so I'm not so, I, I'm not attracted to the terminology emotional availability, but let me explain why in just a second. Because that's just such a, it's, it's not an accurate description. What I believe the real challenge is emotional maturity. 
emotional maturity. And I did a, I, I have my, I have a podcast. Um, my podcast is called the what would love do podcast where we explore life love, awesome. and the pursuit of inner peace through the eyes of love. And I have a podcast called the five signs of emotional maturity. Uh, if you want, I can do a quick rundown for everyone what this is. Of course. And we'll have because, those linked in the show notes as well, your podcasts. Okay, great, great, great. Thank you. So the five signs of emotional maturity, and I'm going to do a real quick. Sign number one, your actions match your words. Your action match your words. I mean, this is the four agreements. Be impeccable with your word. But when your actions consistently match your words, because you're going to, we're all going to make mistakes. There's going to be times we can't live to every commitment. But for the most part, it's consistent. Your actions match your words. Number two, you take personal responsibility for your choices. You take personal responsibility for your choices. Remember I said earlier, people are sucking on the nipple of victim consciousness. Yeah. Well, when you're a victim, you're not taking ownership for your part in the relationship realm. So when you can say, hey, look, my relationship ended, my ex did this, but I take responsibility for this, bam, that's emotional maturity. Number three, you've learned how to do what's called fight fair. Fight fair. And uh, John Gottman calls this good conflict resolution skills. And what emotionally mature people do is, let's face it, when you're in relationship with anybody, whether it's a friend, a family member, or a, a romantic, there's going to be friction that happens. Fighting fair simply says is, I'm going to listen to your point of view. I'm going to accept your point of view. I may have a different point of view, but I'm going to ask you to listen and accept my point of view. And we might agree to disagree, but that's the grown-up way to approach conflicts instead of I'm right, you're wrong. Because ultimately, when you're operating from a place of I'm right, you're wrong, it's coming from a place of superiority and not it's not camaraderie, if you will. The fourth sign of emotional maturity is empathy. Can you feel another person's feelings and can you express your feelings to another human being? And that's really what we're getting at here with emotional availability. But when you build a foundation of emotional maturity, you'll be preparing yourself for, for empathy by being able to recognize that the other person across from you's feelings matter. Hence why you listen and accept their point of view or their feelings. That's what empathy is. And then lastly, transparency. And transparency basically is, is you're, if someone asks you questions, you're in relationship with someone and they ask you legitimate questions from their heart, you don't avoid it. You're transparent. You're open. You're both open and sharing your feelings, but you're open to someone else's feelings, their curiosities about you as well. And when the foundation of emotional maturity is set, it's going to be a lot easier to be vulnerable because that's what we're really talking about. Emotional availability. We're talking about vulnerability. And I'm sure, you know, Brene Brown, oh, yeah. Brene Brown talks about, and if you're not everybody Google Brene Brown, cause she does a whole series on it's amazing vulnerability. And it's, she said, the most courageous thing you can do is to be vulnerable. Yeah. I believe to the path to vulnerability is to build the foundation of emotional maturity. Hmm. Yeah. Vulnerability is, it takes courage. Yeah. You know, we were programmed to think that courageous behaviors were holding it in that we're, you know, we're, you're strong, you're holding it in. Yeah. Like that's, that's where the courage is at. And it's just not true. No, it's, it's you know, and, but it also doesn't mean she also says you don't vomit your problems either. No. I mean, Vulnerability yeah, a, without boundaries is just totally. Yeah. I, I a hundred percent agree with you on that. I'm so glad you said that because there are some people that, you know, you see it on places like Facebook. It's just, man, it's just such a call for help. And it's, I feel bad. It's like, they're just dumping everything on Facebook. Well, that's that victim consciousness though. Yeah. Being vulnerable doesn't mean being a, 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 a victim all the time. Like it's like, no, actually the chap first chapter in my book is called um, speak your truth, do it. And with kindness. And so our truth is our feelings. But I'm here to say to do it in a kind way. You know, it's interesting. I live in the West Coast of the United States and people from the East Coast say how they're so direct and forthright and truthful. But what I realize is that that directness that they have because they speak their truth 
It's because they have no filter. They literally have no boundaries. They'll vomit whatever they're thinking without any act of kindness in there. And they're saying, well, I'm being kind because I'm telling you my truth. No, kindness is for the other person. Mm. You know, and just because you may disagree with them, it's not a kind thing to be antagonistic to another person just because it's your truth. Yeah. And so, you know, I <laughs> boundaries is like what Brene Brown says, you know, without good, without a good, or excuse me, um, vulnerability without good boundaries and filter is just vomiting. Mm. Such a good point. <laughs> Such a good point to be able to exp- express your truth to open up. But yeah, with, with, with boundaries in the right setting to the right audience yeah. and it can really be helpful, but it can also, this is the thing too, is like my message is always, if I'm going to share, like say I share something in this episode with you or anybody, my goal or objective isn't to be a victim, tell you this stuff so everybody feels bad. I want my message and this is what I do when I post on social media. If I'm going to open up, I'm going to make you think, maybe pull some emotional cords, but then I'm going to have a message that has a point to lifting you up, to inspire you or whatever. That's the fucking message that people should be thinking about. Yes, share it, but how are you going to lift your audience? Like, how are you going to do this that you're being a service and not being a victim? Because nobody, everyone's got their own shit. Nobody wants to feel bad. And we all know we have our problems, but it's how you display your problems in a way that actually empowers people. That's, that's, how, that's how I, I go into it thinking, okay, like, I, I want to share, but I, I don't want to be a person that's like, you're going to feel bad for me now. You know, I want sympathy. Or worse. Yeah. They validate your victimhood. I mean, yeah. here's the thing. And Facebook is like, I mean, it's riddled with nothing but people who complain <laughs> and all their friends going, oh, I'm so sorry. Let me validate your victimhood. Instead of saying, yeah. fuck, fuck your bootstraps. Because yeah. what's lacking here, at least in the United States, and I can't speak for Canada, is a lack of discipline by people. You know, discipline has gone out the window. Mm. Now, I, I'm all for expressing, look, if you're in pain, look, at. I went through the worst pain of anyone. I went yeah. through the loss of a child. I had every right to go down. The, I have every right to be angry, okay? Yeah, you do. Of course you do. Um, and, and no one would judge me for it either. But at some point, I'm like, look, the last thing he'd ever want me to do is to be angry or, or depressed or sad or melancholy. He, he's a vic, he was a victor in his life. That's what he wants for me. So discipline says, I'm going to rise, rise up, mm-hmm. not be a victim. And I'm, by the way, and I, let me differentiate. People have certainly been victim of abuse and physical of abuse. Like and I'm not here diminishing that. No. I'm talking about a consciousness of victimhood and not an actual physical experience of victimhood. Yeah. Tom Bilio talks about this as well. He specifically says, we are, you're, whether you're going to go, some people are going to go through terrible situations. He even talks about, if I got hit by a car, I can't control that, but I can control how I react from that moment forward. Yes. You may be in the shit. You may lose, you may break your leg. You may lose your, whatever happens, it's horrible. And that's that you can't control that. But how you react from that day forward as much as that fucking sucks, yeah. you have the choice of how you're going to react after that. Nobody else is doing controlling that for you. Yeah. And that's so empowering, but that's the lesson. That's really the thing. It's like, by the way, have you seen choice. the, um, who's the guy that's got no arms and no legs and like a chicken? Yeah, I've man. seen it. It's crazy. Nick, Nick Vasucci, or I can't remember, but here's a guy that has every right to be angry. And this guy is no arms, no legs, little chicken thing for one foot uh and he lives an extraordinary life you know so yeah look at going back to gratitude maybe we can bring this back full circle you know like we've got so much to be well many of us not everyone but so much so many of us have so much to be grateful for and gratitude is the pathway to inner peace is 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 one of the pathways to inner peace and that's my invitation for everyone is to look and say, hey, don't take, by the way, since he passed away, I don't take one day for granted, you know, mm-hmm. and thankfully, and I'm blessed. My last memory with him was, it was two days before 
we got together two times a week for lunch for, for almost six years because uh, his mother and I were divorced. And it was always the same, a hug and a kiss, I love you, when we said goodbye. Mm -hmm. So my last physical memory was a hug and kiss, I love you. I do that now with everybody in my life. It's always the same, a hug, a kiss on, you know, a hug, wow. I love you. I don't want to take one day for granted because it can change that quickly. And gratitude is that pathway for me. Oh, I love it. Wow. <clears throat> That's in inspiring. It's, it's so you. inspiring to hear that. And yeah, and it's inspiring for people because you're giving people hope, right? And thank you for sharing that. I really oh, thank you, man. Thank you. Now I'll, I'll wrap it up with our, our last question and you kind of touched on it, but we'll see if it, it all ties in out of all the adversity that you've gone through over the years recently, yeah. what is, what is the number one lesson that it has taught you? Hmm. <laughs> you know what? I, I remind, well, there's a couple things. So I had a, I had a mantra going through my crash and it was just keep moving forward, keep moving forward. It's a Walt Disney quote, keep moving forward. And that was the mantra that rang in my head. That was the only mantra, just keep moving forward and, and, and forward in a positive sense, not the melancholy sense. But I think if I learned one thing, it relates to my bracelet that I'm wearing, which says I'm enough, if you can see that. But the real is everything is going to be okay. Like that's the thing I've learned is, hey, like when I was, when I, that woman ghosted me and I was like, ah, my life sucks, I'm a loser. <laughs> I just remember everything's going to be okay because a couple of days later I was, or not really, the next day I was fine. It's, I, I just want to remind everyone we're going to, life is like this, it's like a roller coaster up and down everything. And when you're in that down, just remember everything is going to be okay. And even those who are suffering right now because of what's happened in the world, eventually things will turn around. Everything will be okay. Mm, love it. Where can everybody check you out? We'll make sure it's clear in the show notes for everyone. Sure. Well, there's, I, I've got a YouTube channel. So Google my name or go to YouTube. Check out my name. If you're, in the, if you're look, seeking dating relationship advice, I've got oh. a podcast called the What Would Love Do podcast and certainly on social media and the other venues as well. Awesome. Dude, this was awesome conversation, man. <laughs> had yeah, a lot of thanks, fun. Man. This, was, this, was, this was great and lots of valuable insight in there. Yeah. thanks i appreciate it this is a lot of fun lance you're a great interviewer man thanks you got great energy too man it's uh it's 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 nice to talk to people that that have that 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 energy to them you know not everybody does some people it takes longer to warm up to than others some some people have it right away it's uh it's really fascinating you know well a deep dive into self-love helps that big time man all right thank you so much all right thanks man thank you thanks everybody Thanks, everybody. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Make sure to hit that subscribe button on Apple and tag us in a screenshot on social media, on Instagram, if you got value from it, or I'm always grateful for reviews. I love them and you know I love to see them and I love to just see the feedback from you guys. So much love, everybody. Have yourself a great day. Catch you next time.